Thank you for joining us. I'm Charlotte Wood, and I'm podcasting from the Bon Deck Montessori in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Today, we're talking about freedom and discipline. And these are pretty emotionally charged, dramatic, even political words, freedom and discipline. And yet we see them manifest every day in a Montessori classroom. They are intrinsically related to one another and dependent on one another. Active emphasis in both of these is a careful balance, and it's this teeter-totter that we see the children play with as well as the adults guiding them. How much freedom do um, I encourage? How much discipline do I foster? And making sure that those are always in alignment. Uh, We've heard it said, they're two sides of the same coin. They go together. They can also be viewed as some myths of Montessori, of a Montessori classroom. Isn't that where children get to do whatever they want? That's the idea of ultimate freedom. And then also Montessori classrooms, isn't that where you make children do X, Y, Z? And if you're familiar with successful implementation of freedom and discipline, a child acting fully in freedom and discipline, you know, these Neither one of these is ultimately true, but they need to go in tandem as well as growing in tandem within the classroom. This is one of the ways that we follow the child, that really iconic Montessori phrase of follow the child. So what does that mean? The freedom piece is not letting a child do whatever they want, and the discipline piece is not making a child do anything. Instead, how we follow the child using freedom and discipline is you're showing me what you're ready for. When you are demonstrating a level of discipline, different freedoms are opened up to you. And of course, everything in Montessori is always interconnected, interrelated. This is one of those great moments where having a multi-age classroom is so beneficial. For instance, it's common to have art available on the shelves, painting, coloring, but you have the freedom to use this material. You have the discipline to color on paper. The other piece of discipline is that it goes hand in hand of grace and courtesy, where we say the one thing that a child can do, you may use these crayons to color on this paper. There's lots of paper available throughout the classroom. There's metal inset paper. Often there's paper for writing labels or paper that already has words on it, labels that are already created on the shelf. There is sometimes beautiful paper for children to practice their handwriting. There's also other surfaces such as tables or the walls or all different kinds of surfaces where a crayon or paint might end up. If we say, these are crayons and this is the paper you can use for these, we're showing the child the one place where they can use these crayons And we're helping a child to use that discipline. We're elevating that moment to say, I trust you to only use these crayons here. We don't have to name all the places where you can't use these crayons, such as on your pants or on a material. This is the one place you can use these crayons. 
also built into that is that natural limit that we see in a Montessori classroom. For instance, if we put out five or 10 or 15 sheets of paper, when those pieces are gone, this material is no longer available. We can't go over to the metal insets and use one of those pieces of paper because that paper is for something else. So you have the freedom to use this material if it's available on the shelf, if a friend isn't currently using it, if there is paper available, the right paper available, this material is available to you. This freedom, this permission is available to you. And I trust you to have the discipline to use it as intended. These aren't crayons for breaking. These aren't crayons for chewing on. These aren't crayons for the walls. These are crayons for paper. But because of the simplicity of this, this is how we use this material. This is the paper you can use for it, or this is where you can use this material, or you can use it if there's paper available. Everything else is superfluous. All the places you can't use these crayons or this paint. All the times when this material is not available. If there's no paper left, if somebody has it out, if I took it off the shelf. We don't have to name any of that. Those freedoms and disciplines make everything else unnecessary. This is a material that's available to you and you know how to use it. Alternatively, if a child is perhaps misusing a material or exploring with a material in a way that's not purposeful or that could be harmful to the material or to their classmates. That's showing us that I made a mistake. I gave you too much freedom. You're not ready for that yet. But that's not your fault. That's not the child's fault. That's my fault. I was supposed to follow the child. You were showing me what level you were ready for. And I put the clues together in the incorrect way. You're showing me this is too much responsibility for you right now. And my response is, thank you for letting me know that. Thank you for letting me know I gave you too much freedom. And so we need to bring that freedom back, those limits back to a place where you can be successful. It's not my responsibility as the adult to set a child up for failure or to catch you doing the wrong thing, or to give you more than you're capable of and then make you feel poorly or impose punitive limits because you weren't able to thrive. My responsibility is to observe, to follow the child, and to see what you're ready for and give you just that right match, the right level of freedom due to the correct level of discipline that you're demonstrating. Sometimes we hold children back. Sometimes we think, oh, that's, that's too much responsibility right now. And so it's important for us to not make assumptions about what a child might or might not be ready for. We sometimes think, oh, if you're not showing that you know how to pour this big bucket of water correctly, maybe something that would create a bigger mess is too much responsibility. But sometimes what that's showing is you've become bored with this, that this level of responsibility is no longer enticing and we need to up the challenge. And so that's why that careful observation without judgment is so important. Are you pouring uh, outside of the bucket because you're, you're being careless that this is no longer enticing for you, that you're no longer engaged with this material? Sometimes children do show 
a, a level of undiscipline with the material because it's no longer exciting, it's no longer appealing, it's no longer the appropriate match for them. And I've waited too long to show you something else. I've waited too long to trust you with the next level of engagement. And once I have shown you materials that are more engaging, that respect, that carefulness, that concentration re-emerges. Nobody wants to do the wrong thing, but if something isn't exciting and engaging and compelling and offering a positive stimulus for the child, they will definitely find something that is. If exploring the geometric solids is no longer enticing for this child, it's natural for that sphere to end up rolling across the floor. So maybe I waited too long to show you matching to the classroom or matching those spheres and cubes and different shape, different solids to their bases or finding them from around the classroom. Sometimes that level of discipline can waver a little bit simply out of boredom, out of I've mastered this level and yet I've not been given more freedom within this. It's natural for that freedom to be tested. It's natural for children to see. So what's going to happen? If I ask a child to walk away from my work and I do everything the right way, is that going to be enforced by the adult? You have the right to work without being observed. Observation is a natural part of the classroom environment, but sometimes you can feel those eyes on you. And even though that observer isn't doing anything wrong, you sense them there and it's difficult to focus in this moment while you feel those eyes on you. And so you have the right to say, would you please walk away from my work? But that also needs to be enforced by the adult. If you have shown the discipline you have the freedom to choose that, to choose to work without being observed. And if you have the discipline to ask politely, to use the rules that we as adults have set down in the manner of the grace and courtesy lessons, how to do things or what to do when you don't want somebody to observe you, then it's also my responsibility as the adult to come in and enforce those rules. If you hold up your end of the bargain, and you do things the right way, act in accordance with the conventions that we've set up in this classroom. It's my responsibility to meet those needs. The freedom and discipline grows in the classroom. When children first come in, they're allowed to choose any of these Oh, five or ten materials, maybe some coloring, maybe some bead stringing, maybe a few puzzles, just a few simple things. But as they show self-control and the memory of where this material belongs on the shelf and an ability to discern if this is a good material for a table or if there's no tables available or if this work would be more appropriate to do on a rug, that's a child's increased level of self-discipline, of determining what's available, what do I know, can I use this, and where should I use this. These are all amazing feats of self-discipline. And as we notice these, as we observe these moments, 
It's our responsibility as adults to increase the freedom that's available, to increase the level of material in challenge, in intricacy, in length of work. And so as a child grows, their freedom grows as well. And that freedom comes in responsibility and also in the materials that are available to them, the new presentations. We also see the scope growing smaller in terms of which materials are available to the child. And this is when a child is nearing the end of their time in the Montessori primary classroom when they're perhaps five or six and kindergarten age. So a rule of the classroom is you may choose any material that's been shown to you and use it as long as you'd like and return it to the shelf ready for the next person to use. Those are very basic, but there's so much discipline naturally built into those. You're showing the discipline to not choose something that a friend already has out. That material is not available. You don't get to take something from someone else. You're showing discipline to choose something that you've been shown. Out of the myriad things on the shelf, what do you know and what do you not know yet? Which materials are available? and which materials are not. You can work at a rug. You can't work at the shelf. You can't work on the floor. You can't work where somebody else is already working. You can work at a table or um, on, the on a rug on the floor. And then you return it to the shelf ready for the next person to use. When you're finished, you don't just leave things out or you don't just put it somewhere that's convenient or kind of toss it haphazardly on the shelf. As best as you're able, you return it as good or better than you found it. This is a huge explanation of freedom and discipline. So much freedom built in to this even basic picking a work off the shelf, but also reflective of a level of self-discipline that is so natural that we see in the primary classroom that children, even very young children, are capable of. But when a child is getting toward the end of their time, that rule is still in place. You can choose any material that you've been presented, which means those very beginning works that you learned three or maybe four years ago, those basic puzzles, pouring water, pouring grains, perhaps sweeping, all of these things are still available to you. But this is a different kind of self-discipline. Whereas a very young child would sweep to integrate the cross-body movement or to have gross motor control. An older child is sweeping to clean up a spill or is not scrubbing a table for the purpose of scrubbing a table. They're scrubbing a table because they were practicing their handwriting and their pencil slipped and now there's a mess or it's after lunch and they're going to scrub all the tables so that the classroom is ready for work after lunchtime. Also, sometimes we highlight for the children that, yes, you do know this work. The map of the world is available to you. You have been shown this work. It's on the shelf. Nobody's using it. All of those pieces are there for this work choice to be available to you. However, you also know the map of Africa and the map of Asia. You know continent folder work. You know things like division or the verb and our friend Sam, who's three and a half or four, he doesn't know all those things. He only knows 
a small number of things. Compared to you, you know almost the whole classroom. You may choose the map of the world. I'm not going to tell you not to. But something to keep in mind, if you choose that work, our younger friends cannot. And so yes, that work is available to you. But this other little piece, this self-discipline that enlightens empathy comes into place. Yes, this work is available to me. But that work's a challenging work for my three- and four-year-old classmates. And if I choose one of the ten materials that are available to them instead of the one of a hundred materials that are available to me, there's less that's available to them. And sometimes you see an increased awareness of how much they've grown, an increased awareness inside a child of how much they are capable of and that they are not the youngest, and a self-restraint that goes far beyond what we might expect a five- or six-year-old to be capable of. In some ways, this freedom, this ability to choose, awakens a higher level of self-discipline. So not only is the net widening, it's also narrowing by a child's own discernment, a child's own choices, and a child's own awareness of their classmates, of their community, and of their own growth. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Bondeck, and email us with questions, comments, and suggestions at hello at bondeck.org. Until next time.